The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Good day, one and all. Thank you for joining us. Episode 809 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined by your host, lovely, talented, and scholarly, Brittany Page. Well, Jesse, are you excited to celebrate Independence Day? Is that a dig? At, 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 the, my, at the country? Yes, no. it's a dig at the country. No, Correct. at my pet peeve. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's uh, is anyone feeling like celebrating the country at the moment? I don't. I don't think anyone is. Well, Republicans certainly. The Supreme Court justices are quite proud of themselves, I'm sure, and feel like they are uh, doing the right thing by the country. Everyone else pretty upset, I imagine. When I was pouring my coffee this morning, I had the thought of, I wonder if the friend network of Supreme Court justices has shrunk. Like their personal friends? Yeah, if people are like, oh, no, nah, dude, nope, no, nah, I can't get down with that. We're, we're going to RSVP, uh, that's a no. You mean like all of a sudden Clarence Thomas doesn't have a lot of friends? I'm pretty sure that Clarence well, I mean, Thomas's it, friend group right, is, already... is one we don't want to know. <laughs> no, I was thinking specifically in my head while stirring... Sugar and cream into my coffee like a child. Um, Samuel Alito. Mm. But because it's got to be, I think, shocking. Listen, for your mainstream Joe Biden types, your Nancy Pelosi types who are like, oh, we didn't even see this coming. I think there's there's some class of political politically aware individual out there who is shocked by this, who thought this would never happen. They would never go this far. Mm -hmm. Who have, I believe, willfully blinded themselves to the political calculus that the rest of us made a long time ago. Mm -hmm. People who thought that we were being extremists or or purveyors of hyperbole. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Anyway, I I, I hope they don't sleep well at night. We we just watched Braveheart the other night. And there's the scene where after, by the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie made in 1995. Yeah, you've uh, had enough time. You're fine. Uh, There's a scene where after they've betrayed, uh, where the Scottish lords have betrayed um, William Wallace. William Wallace. He goes through and he's like tracking them down. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're having nightmares. He's coming for me. And I I kind of hope. Are they Muppets? Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, The Supreme Court? No, the. Oh, yeah. uh, (laughs) So I, I really hope that they are 
they're not getting good night's sleep. I hope they are tossing and turning. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, what was that noise? Yeah. Oh, is that is there someone in the house? Like, yeah. I, I hope they're tortured. <laughs> I hope they're psychically tortured mm-hmm. by the actual harm that they've done. Yeah. And the thought that maybe we pushed people too far. I think they are planning their barbecues, planning their Independence Day you celebrations. You think they're just sleeping like babies? I think they're fine. I think they're pretty happy with themselves. Ugh. It it reminds me of Elizabeth Warren was on Seth Meyers talking about how to move forward after the, the Supreme Court is just dismantling democracy. Mm-hmm. And he asked her, well, like, let's end on a positive note. Let's talk about what you're doing for Independence Day. And he's like, are you going to be doing a barbecue, whatever? <laughs> and she, like, answered very vaguely what what her plans were and then said but then the next day we're going to be back to being in the fight and we're going to move ahead he's like okay so you really never stop (laughs) no time for fun and enjoyment and uh talking about your plans for celebration especially now Mm -hmm. i mean if the supreme court had just made some goofy ruling on tax policy or something yeah that's one thing yeah that's not what they did yeah so Anyway, <laughs> it's about 325 degrees outside here in D.C. with a 400% humidity, so that's nice. Yeah, Sweepy walked outside and immediately started panting, so we still use the stroller, and we still get judgment for using the stroller, but again, she will, like, die if we take her on a half-a-mile walk in the heat without any kind of reprieve. She's just expending energy endlessly, and it it isn't great for her health. Yeah, we took her out today to go to the bathroom, and within, I want to say, a minute and a half, she was panting. Yeah. Just like, all right, nah. Yep. Not a fan. Yeah. So anyway, we do hope that you are somehow able to muster um, somewhat of a celebratory mood to go out and watch some fireworks in celebration of the independence of the United States from Britain. You know, the whole taxation without representation and liberty and freedom and all these jingoistic fucking buzzwords that seem to like flow from the, the mouth of Ted Cruz like like something that flows from the mouth of Ted Cruz. Ooh, I, I do want to <laughs> say I had a friend reach out to me and she texted me and said that she was feeling really depressed and sad and just like having a hard time moving forward, like going Mm -hmm. about her day, not thinking about things. And I shared with her something that I had read previously that was really moving for me. And it was about how we can look at the current predicament as though it's like this, this massive knot that we have to untangle. And if you are doing anything at all to even pull on one string within that knot to undo the knot, whether it's sharing information, talking to people in your life to try to ensure that they are engaging politically, if you are uh, working at a job that is political, which this friend that reached out to me is a therapist, and I I told her her job is also inherently political, and the work that she does every single day Mm -hmm. is furthering and bettering society. Um, So I think it's important to take a step back when we're looking at probably not feeling super great about this holiday that's coming up and not super great about where the country is that we take a step back and think about like, what are we doing to undo that knot? And even small things really count. So it kind of goes back to what we talked about on the previous episode of not losing hope and 
being able to find joy still. And, and so it, it is okay to enjoy Independence Day, even if it's not rah, rah America. I'm so happy to be in America right now. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just treat it like a Saturday. Yeah, treat it like a Saturday. It's an opportunity to not be at work. And if you're working, bummer. For sure, bummer. That's what you're going to... That's I'm going to leave it there. I'm not, go- I'm not real jazzed. I, know, I don't know if you happening? can tell. <laughs> I mean, usually it's the opposite. We got Brittany Page over here. <laughs> whoop, whoop, America! Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> so anyway, welcome to the show. We love and appreciate you guys. Uh, it, it has been a, a, a hell of a week, and the, um, the news continues. Yeah, the Supreme Court has continued to roll out various opinions, including uh, on the EPA and just terrible things continue. But positive things have also happened. And so we're, we're now looking at what is to come for the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's monumental term may be over, but the fight over its impact on American life rages on. President Biden, before returning to Washington, condemning the court's abortion ruling. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. Now he's urging Congress to guarantee the right to an abortion, calling for a limited change to the Senate rule known as the filibuster. But even though Democrats control the Senate, they don't have the votes for that. Abortion is now prohibited or likely to be banned or restricted in roughly half the country. In other states, the future of abortion rights remains uncertain. Virginia's Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, is pushing lawmakers to ban abortion after 15 weeks, with exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Virginians want fewer abortions, not more. And I think this is a chance for us to come together as Virginians. The court now delivering the Biden administration another gut punch in its effort to fight climate change, with a 6-3 ruling limiting the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to reduce greenhouse gas emissions produced by power plants. The president, who's pledged to shift energy production away from coal-burning plants toward renewable sources like wind and solar, slamming the ruling as another devastating decision that takes our country backwards. Still, the court also handed the White House a political victory, ruling that President Biden can end a Trump-era program that forces migrants seeking asylum in the U.S. to remain in Mexico. All of it as the court begins a historic new chapter. So help me God. Newly sworn in Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson becomes the first black woman on the nation's highest court, replacing retiring Stephen Breyer. I am pleased to welcome Justice Jackson to the court and to our common calling. While the court will look more like America, Justice Jackson won't change its conservative majority. The court is set to consider a new round of controversial cases when its next term begins. That's this October, from the use of race in college admissions to gay rights and a Republican-backed appeal that could have huge implications for the next presidential election, with the justices set to to decide whether state legislatures should have more power over how federal elections are run in their states. Tom? All right, Peter Alexander for us at the White House this morning. Peter, thank you. And that last case is the one that people are particularly concerned about right now. We'll we'll get to that in a second. So when I said there are also good things happening, I was like, 
not, I mean, not great things, but like, you know, Katanji Brown Jackson was yeah, confirmed. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, the there was a good ruling. Ah. Yeah, the, they allow Biden to end uh, Trump's remain in Mexico policy. But again, that feels like just a little a little treat that we get. Like here, we're doing all this damage and then here, we'll try to like entice you with this one. Oh, you're, you're, you're in the desert and you're alone and you're stranded. Here's a drop of water onto your lips that are chapped and ready to fall off your body. Here you go. Yeah. Um, also, in that clip, you heard Governor Yunkin of Virginia talk about... Virginians want fewer abortions, not more. Yeah, you want fewer abortions. And yet, they think the only way to fewer abortions is to ban abortions. They don't think about other ways to improve people's lives or make parenthood more enticing by making it more affordable to live in this country, for example. Not only that, there are fewer abortions now than ever there have been before. There, I mean, it is the number of abortions performed declines year after year after year after year. And it's not good enough. There needs to be zero in their mind so they can force women to have babies. I think this year there was the first year there was an increase in abortion, which uh, was the first time in 30 years. It Mm. had been declining for 30 years. Mm, I did not. I, I hadn't heard that. So one positive thing you heard out of that clip was also President Biden coming out and saying that he supports an exception to the filibuster in order to pass uh, abortion rights, uh, protect abortion rights. And unfortunately, I mean, Jesse, you're smiling. Do you have, are you, what's happening? Yeah, I mean, he signaled support for changing the filibuster rules, not just abolishing it, getting rid of it altogether. It's making exceptions for certain things that can't be filibustered. It's just, just get fucking rid of it, dude. What's the goddamn problem? Well, and let's hear it from him himself. Let's hear it in his own words. So he essentially said that he would support an exception to the filibuster rule in order to protect women's right to abortion. So that would essentially allow Democrats to pass legislation legalizing abortion with just 50 votes plus the vice president not having to meet that 60 vote threshold with uh, including Republicans on there without the filibuster. Here's a bit more what the president had to say. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights. It should be we provide an exception for this, um, for the except the require an exception to the filibuster for this action. Now, that's a bit of a shift in thinking from the president, who has said he opposed removing the filibuster at this point. Uh, You know, last year he said maybe there could be some rule changes, some exceptions to it. But really, at the end of the day, it does not appear there is enough support in Congress at the moment to remove the filibuster, regardless of where the president's position is on that. A number of sort of moderate centrist Democrats have still said they would not be in favor of removing this filibuster in order to get legislation passed on a one-time basis. So uh, support from the president, but still seems unlikely on Capitol Hill there's going to be any changes anytime soon. So Reuters, in their reporting on this, quoted an administration source that said there has been pressure building up to act and show that the administration is doing more, which explains why there has been this, this change for President Biden, who has otherwise been particularly reluctant 
to support exceptions to the filibuster. I would I would I would alter that language, not particularly reluctant, but particularly resistant. Mm-hmm. Reluctance is just like, ah, oh, it's kind of a it's kind of a neutral term mm-hmm. where he's resistant to it. He he holds uh, opinions about Senate Senate procedures and Senate traditions uh, that are romantic and out of step with what fucking reality is. Yeah, and so this is not going far enough, obviously. I mean, he can come out and say that he now supports this exception to the filibuster. He's not calling for it, though. And he should specifically call out the two people who are still not changing their positions on an exception to the filibuster, which, of course, is Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. They... Uh, reporters reached out from Reuters after President Biden made these comments and spokesperson for Manchin and an aide to Cinema both said that their respective positions have not changed. So there really is no issue important enough, impactful enough on the lives of hundreds of millions of Americans to make them get rid of the... Phil- I mean, if, if abortion rights isn't going to do it, then what will? Mm-hmm. So the filibuster is more important than women's autonomy mm-hmm. and 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 vital health care that is going to lead to the deaths of untold people who, who aren't unable to to get an abortion. Yeah. And I mean, again, we're dealing with Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. I think there's kind of this divide in the Democratic Party where some people say, well, President Biden's hands are tied when you have people like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema who aren't willing to work with Democrats and do what is necessary to protect abortion rights, for example. But then you have another part of the party, which I would say that I am in, that uh, says President Biden is not doing enough to push for legislation. There is no pushing. Yeah. There, there isn't forceful statements there there isn't calling joe manchin calling Kristen cinema having conversations having them out to the white house real pushes and actually supporting other policies that have been suggested like putting abortion clinics on federal land and like repealing the hyde amendment which is probably going to be more of an obstacle because i know that at least in the past uh president biden has supported right of course the, the hyde amendment which of, of course is the uh provision that prevents the use of federal funds from paying for abortions. Um, Going back to the thing about the different Democrats being split and thinking that he's doing enough and, and, and listen, or, or when Democrats say, well, what can he do? What can he do? Little things that seem subtle and small are not small. The difference between Biden quote-unquote, signaling support for changing the filibuster rules, signaling support for versus I am calling for an end to the filibuster or I demand the Senate do this. Those aren't subtle differences in language. That is a uh, uh, demonstrably different use of the bully pulpit that is the presidency of the United States. And look, if a dumb fuck like Donald Trump commandeered the Republican Party and they bent to his will through the power of the presidency, Joe Biden could be doing the same thing. He could create a little movement within Kristen Sinema and, 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 and Joe Manchin. He absolutely could. And that's just one way. 
you get the majority leader of the Senate in a room and the Speaker of the House in a room, and you lay down the fucking law. None of this namby-pamby, I signal support for it. Oh, that would be great. No. You start demanding shit. You're the president. So I think a lot of people are thinking about what they can do now to support. And a big thing that we can do is donate to abortion funds, like we talked about on the previous episode, uh, local abortion funds specifically. And also Kansas, if you live in Kansas, you're going to be voting on the issue of abortion um, on August 2nd. So if you live in Kansas, you want to vote no on the ban on August 2nd. And this is uh, a ballot amendment that would overturn the right to abortion recognized by the Kansas Supreme Court. So whether or not abortion is protected in Kansas is on the ballot August 2nd. You have the power to protect abortion in your state of Kansas. So it's really important that if you live in Kansas, you talk to people around you, make sure they know, make sure they're voting, make sure they know how to vote because you, I mean, this is within your power to be able to protect it in, in your state. And the other thing about that is, I mean, it's going to give us an indication. It's not going to be some litmus test. that's going to be able to be generalized across the country that, oh, Kansas did this and everything else, but it certainly will give us an idea of how conservative women, especially mm-hmm. are feeling um, when when it's not just a political talking point anymore, it's reality that abortion has been taken away as an option from their daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, how they're going to vote. So yeah. we, we could see, Kansas a conservative state, we could see kind of how it's going to play out across the country. Yeah. So with all of the Supreme Court news, we are seeing with each day that passes, with each opinion that is released, that the court is clearly moving uh, farther to the right with yes. each ruling. And as, as we heard in that previous clip, during the next term, we are likely to see just how much worse that is going to get. But for now, let's kind of just marinate in how much farther the right, the court, uh, to the right the court has been pushed. The abortion ruling is the most dramatic example of how far and how fast the conservative supermajority moved the court to the right. It didn't just uphold Mississippi's law banning abortion after 15 weeks. It also overturned the constitutional right to abortion. It didn't only strike down New York's law requiring a special need for a concealed carry permit. It said all gun regulations must have historic roots. It didn't just restrict the EPA. It said Congress has to explicitly let federal agencies take major actions. And it reduced the separation of church and state, ruling that taxpayer money can be used at schools that offer an explicitly religious education, and ruling for a football coach who led prayers on the 50-yard line immediately after games. There are six relatively young Supreme Court justices who feel incredibly emboldened, incredibly aggressive to move American law to the right, and they are not stopping with this. The court shifted to the right when Anthony Kennedy retired, succeeded by Brett Kavanaugh, and even more so with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, succeeded by Amy Coney Barrett. With Neil Gorsuch, three new justices appointed by Donald Trump. Justice Sonia Sotomayor calls the new conservative majority restless. All three liberals said the court overturned Roe at practically the first moment possible. But conservatives welcomed the change. It's a court that is very much committed not to uh, conservative political outcomes, but certainly to a conservative approach to reading the Constitution and the law. 
And as Katanji Brown-Jackson takes her place, the court faces more contentious questions next term. Should it end affirmative action in college admissions? Do businesses have religious freedom to refuse to serve same-sex weddings? And should legislatures, not courts, get the last word in election disputes? The court may be moving faster than Chief Justice John Roberts would prefer, but he and Brett Kavanaugh are at center in the majority in 95% of the term's decisions. See, that's... Uh, just do your fucking jobs better, reporters. To call just because the Supreme Court is an extremist court, don't say that Brett Kavanaugh is in the center. He is not a moderate. He is not a centrist. Just because the other, the other uh, three, the other four in this case, would be radical extremist doesn't mean Kavanaugh is not also an extremist. Well, and perceived a different way, I think that also kind of sends the message about where the center now is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that Brett Kavanaugh is the quote-unquote center should illustrate to people. Yeah. I mean, uh, that guy loves fucking beer, so. Just how far right the court has become. And uh, the Supreme Court declined to hear a religious liberty challenge to the uh, COVID-19 vaccine mandate in New York. And Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a dissent in that case and talked about the vaccines having uh, aborted cells from aborted children. <laughs> So he wrote in that. Oh my god! This kind of goes to you know the court going further right. Although we've always known this about Clarence Thomas. That's Looney Tune land. He wrote, "quote They object on religious grounds to all available COVID nineteen vaccines because they were developed using cell lines derived from aborted children." Now, some people are saying he's just articulating the argument that the healthcare workers that wanted to bring this religious liberty challenge before the court, like yeah. he's just summarizing their position. But I don't know. That's kind of a stretch, I think, when we're talking about someone like Clarence Thomas, who is married to Jenny Thomas, who we know is uh, just steeped in numerous conspiracy theories. A former, literal, formal, former uh, cult member. Yeah. And of course, uh, none of the COVID-19 vaccines in the U.S. contain cells of aborted fetuses, um, cells that came from elective abortions like decades ago are are used in research during the development and yeah. were in the development of the COVID vaccine. But that's very common. Like in you're vaccine. injecting yourself with hundreds of dead babies. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're, that's what they believe. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just one example of uh, <laughs> Clarence Thomas being super cool, I guess. Well, listen, the, the, the right is, it used to be only a fringe amount, a fringe number on the right who would who would like not carve out exceptions for abortion for for cases of rape or incest mm -hmm. or cases of incest that are rape. I mean, they it used to be like, oh, this wing not here. Look at this guy. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And now it's they're unashamed. It, they don't even stumble or fumble when they're trying to to describe their position when they're asked follow-ups about it. They're just like, yeah, no, they're, they're going to have those babies. And that is the case certainly in Mississippi with Mississippi House Speaker Philip Gunn. I believe life begins at conception. And every life is valuable. 
and and that's those are those are my personal beliefs. That is that is my personal belief. I believe life begins at conception. So I don't know if you could hear the question that was being asked by the reporter, but the reporter asks, so a 12-year-old girl who is molested, the reporter uses the word molested by their fathers or uncles, should be forced to carry a pregnancy to term. And Mississippi House Speaker Philip Gunn reiterates that that is his personal belief because every life is valuable. Now... This isn't, I mean, listen, he is in the, the Mississippi State House. He's not a, a federal congressman, but he's the Speaker of the House of Representatives of the state of Mississippi. He's the Speaker. He's not some wacky, I mean, he is some wacky fuckstick, but he's <laughs> this, the House Speaker iterating this, being questioned by reporters and not even like, oh, well, no, oh, you're, oh, that's gotcha. He's like, no, yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. If a 12-year-old is raped by her father and impregnated, she must give birth to her sister. That is evil. That is sick and twisted. And that's where we are in America right now, where this is a mainstream Republican view. It's also wild to hear people say, like, that's my personal view, and who has a vote who can make it policy yeah like you want that to be the policy because it's your personal view like i don't who gives a fuck about your personal view that's not how the world should work just because you have some ideas that are rumbling around in your head you want to hear how valuable life is in mississippi according to speaker gun well, in uh, Mississippi, low-income mothers only have access to postpartum Medicaid coverage for two months after giving birth. Wow. This year, the Republican-led Mississippi Senate voted to extend that, and Speaker Gunn killed the bill. Right. So this is Every life is, is important. How- Brittany, every life is important. Mm-hmm. Every one. Until they take their first breath, and then fuck you, you are on your own, bro. Do you want to know uh, who has the nation's highest infant mortality rate? Probably Mississippi. I mean, Mississippi. Mississippi's like number 49, 48, 49, or 50 in just about everything. I know that's shocking because the Mississippi House Speaker, Philip Gunn, believes that every life is valuable, but... It's true. Yeah. Mississippi has the highest infant mortality rate. Do you want to know um, the lowest overall life expectancy? What state? Lowest overall? Uh-huh. Mississippi? It's Mississippi You're going to set me up to fail here and be like, no, actually, it's uh, Oklahoma. Again, I know it's weird because every life is valuable in Mississippi, according to uh, Mississippi House Speaker Philip Gunn, but... Uh, overall life expectancy rate, it's the lowest. It's the lowest. Uh, what about the highest COVID-19 death rate? Mississippi. Mississippi, even though every life is valuable. It's wild. Every one, every single one. Oh, oh, and what about the... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh, maternal mortality rate in Mississippi? Well, it's the rate. Like how many? I don't even know. I wouldn't even know how to answer the question. Okay. Why well, don't you just quit playing the fucking game and say what it is? No, it's so fun. It's so fun. And so it's uh, 1.99 times higher than the nation as a whole. Almost twice as high. And this is from reporter Ashton Pittman, yeah, who, who did a fantastic thread on this. So and after you just highlighted all this, it really does seem like every, vo- every life is important. 
I mean, every life is valuable, according to Mississippi House Speaker Philip Gunn. So, what a what a smart guy who really seems to have a stranglehold. <laughs> yeah. On the importance of life. Well, and I just want to say for people who may listen to this, and I don't think anyone in our audience is listening to this thinking that this hypothetical question posed by this reporter is so far out of the realm. But I think certain pro-life individuals likely hear these scenarios of like a 12-year-old victim of rape or incest And think, oh, well, how often is that happening? Like, how often are people getting pregnant as a result of these things? Well, I shared an article the other day uh, specifically about a 10-year-old patient that showed up in the office of a doctor in Ohio. And in Ohio, uh, abortion is outlawed after six weeks. And so this 10-year-old patient was pregnant six weeks and three days, uh, six weeks and three days pregnant. Wow. And so the doctor had to call a doctor in Indiana and ask if the doctor in Indiana could help this 10-year-old patient who was pregnant and could no longer get an abortion in the state of Ohio. Now, the only reason a 10-year-old is pregnant is abuse. Yeah, That is the only reason that a 10-year-old would be pregnant. And so for people who may hear these these questions from reporters and think, you know, how often is this happening? It's already happening. These abortion bans are now in place and you have children who are being abused and are getting pregnant and need to have an intervention so that they can continue their lives as they wish. Yeah, yeah. Finish finish fourth grade. Right. and Or fifth grade or whatever it is. And instead you have the Supreme Court who has decided, um, no. six, six people, five yeah. people decided no. Uh, six people, five people who were, who were appointed by presidents who did not win the popular vote. Right. Anti-democratic system. Yeah. Fantastic. So as we continue with these uh, Republican men who have terrible takes on abortion, leave it to Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson to talk about how he also wants to reduce the number of abortions in Arkansas through the ban growing political and legal fallout from the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. As a result of that ruling, abortion bans are enacted, expected, or likely to be enacted in at least 20 states. In Arkansas, trigger law immediately banned nearly all abortions. There are no exceptions for minors or in cases of rape or incest. The only exception is if the mother's life is at risk. That law was signed in 2019 by Governor Asa Hutchinson, who joins us this morning from Little Rock. Governor, it is good to see you. Happy Friday. Happy Independence Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. We're excited about uh, the weekend, and it's good to be with you today. Well, thank you again. So your state uh, has given about a million dollars to pregnancy centers, but that's a fraction of what's likely going to be needed uh, for the thousands of unwanted pregnancies that are going to occur each year now. What else uh, might you and your state legislature be planning to do to help young mothers and families? Well, it's an important question, and we are addressing it. And first of all, we started this long before. You know, we took a Medicaid expansion in Arkansas that provided health coverage for uh, the working poor. Uh, we're trying to improve uh, our health care for uh, maternal moms, uh, for prenatal care. But what we do now, and you start with uh, the fact that last year we had about 3,000 abortions in Arkansas. And so under the uh, new law that the Supreme Court allowed to 
take effect. That means that a significant number of those will be reduced. Uh, some of those uh, moms will put the child up for adoption, so we're going to have to increase our adoption services. Uh, others will go out of state, which I think will be a small minority, uh, but there'll be many that will carry that child uh, to term and to keep that child, and so we want to make sure that we have the wraparound services uh, for that mom, uh, both uh, during uh, the uh, pregnancy, but also afterwards. So we're uh, looking as to how we can beef that up. I've charged my health department and human services to come up with more funding for each of those needs that we see as a result of this. So we should anticipate more funding for psychological issues potentially stemming from unwanted births or physical issues with pregnancies and births. And, and also there's this report now that at least two Arkansas state senators say they're looking to introduce legislation to ban women from traveling out of state to get an abortion. Is that a law you would sign? Uh, I would not. Uh, the challenge there is that uh, that would be in violation of interstate commerce. Obviously, we right. want to discourage that because the public policy in Arkansas is to uh, limit abortions and to uh, carry out uh, the will of the people. And so uh, we recognize the that will that, of the uh, people is something that even the United States Supreme Court addressed in one of the concurring opinions that this is not intended to restrict interstate commerce. The Supreme Court decision said each state's going to make its own decisions in this, which is traditional public health matters. Arkansas has made its decision. Other states might look at it differently. Talking about enforcing the will of the people, the will of the people in the United States of America overwhelmingly is in support of abortion rights. Mm-hmm. Now, I made this prediction on, I believe, last episode, or maybe it was on a YouTube video, that we're going to see that diminish. We're going to see that 65 to 69% or whatever it is start ticking down because people are lemmings and they're just going to follow whatever the law is and say, oh yeah, that's, I actually do, I I, I do disagree. We shouldn't have abortions. Do you think that will happen or do you think there will be a backlash and that more people will actually support? No, I don't think that. Hmm. I mean, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. That'd be fucking fantastic. Well, I'm just curious because I saw that Gallup did a, a recent uh, poll. They've been asking questions like since the 50s about whether or not people believe in God. They just say, do you believe in God to the American public? And like in the 50s, it was like 98% yeah. of Americans believed in God. And it's actually the lowest it's ever been, 81%. And they talked about like, why could this be happening? And I, I read something about how a, a sociologist postulated that possibly the number is decreasing because we're seeing the power that Christianity has over this country mm. and the negative effects of religion when it is forced on people and that maybe that is causing some sort of backlash for more people to resist religion and, and say that they actually don't believe in God. So That would be great. I mean, I would love to be wrong uh, more than anything. I think it would be fantastic if people rose up uh, if there was a literal uprising in this country to to put this down. Yeah, I just want to say this reporter is terrible. I don't know who the reporter is. He's on CBS this mornings, but usually it's not this guy. It's someone else. So I don't know who he is, but he was doing the Arkansas governor's work for him yeah. by saying, oh, so we can expect increases in funding for mental health services and uh, physical health services, for example. And then he moves on and asks his next question like, no, we can't expect those things. This goes back to what we talked about on the previous episode. Republicans have been fighting for this 
they knew that Roe was going to be overturned. And how many policies have they put forth to support families, to support mothers, to support people trying to survive in this society, knowing that there are now going to be forced births? They can act like this is now a priority for them. Yeah. But they knew this was coming. And, I mean, we know their track record. They don't want people that are on food stamps to have steak and lobster. They don't want them to be able to buy soda. They don't want them to have any kind of happiness or joy or moment of levity. They don't want them to be able to buy a birthday cake for their kids with food stamps. We think that this is suddenly going to change now that they're forcing birth on people, that suddenly they're going to become generous and advocate for funding for people. Well, if anything, I believe what will happen is they'll feel emboldened in this and they will curtail social spending even more. Mm -hmm. So it's going to make it... It's going to compound upon compound. It's just going to make it worse and worse. And then we have reporters doing their yeah, work for fucking them. fucking the worst. Not necessary. So if you're wondering the state of the Republican Party, because you haven't yet like picked up on... <laughs> if you just if you were in a coma up until yesterday, <laughs> uh, we got some news for you, and it's not good. It's not great. So we want to play this mashup that is... <sighs> How do you describe it? It's horrifying, for one. It's like an SNL skit. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's it, real. It really is. This is the, the Wyoming debate for, for Liz Cheney's seat. And there's several people. It's the primary debate. Yeah. And we're just going to play it. And it really just gives you a flavor for what is out there in mainstream uh, Republican politics. But also, it's not the only one. We're not going to play the other one. But there's one from Arizona that's equally as terrifying. Yeah, this mashup is from the Republican Accountability Project. We're going to go to what we call a lightning round. January 6th. It was a setup from the beginning. We cannot have uh, actual, um, um, oh gosh, um, <laughs> see, um, anyway, uh, what we saw happen on January 6th uh, was uh, clearly an attempt to uh, delay the count of the electoral votes. Coronavirus vaccine policy. They knew Fauci had awards for his work in cytokines. Mr. Fauci is one of the most corrupt individuals in Washington, D.C. We are to oppose any vaccines. Everybody ought to get vaccinated, and we need to do everything we can to protect ourselves from future viruses. Wyoming residents' faith in the election process. I understand when I talked to Mike Lindell, he did say that there was a small, small portion of uh, voter fraud in the state, but that is alarming. What about uh, 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 Facebook? Uh, using the, uh, the the system to 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 steer people, uh, we we know for a fact all the major internets do that. The two thousand mules movie is something that I think we have great concern about. Voting machines that you know are suspected fraud. There are politicians in this country, beginning with Donald Trump who have lied to the American people. He consistently has said that the election was stolen when it wasn't. Ukraine. Ukraine is corrupt. We started it. We got involved. We pushed them into being against uh, uh, the Russian government. Money laundering. I think that's the biggest uh, ticket for the Ukraine's and the Biden administration. It's the front line in the battle for freedom. And I think we've got to elect serious leaders. Serious leaders. Serious leaders. Serious leaders. And so do all of the other internets. 
What do you think it was like for Liz Cheney to be up there with all of them? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it wakes her up. Like, what the fuck is going on? Because listen, when Liz Cheney seems like the reasonable one, <laughs> that is up upside down land. Yeah. She came across like a reasonable politician who doesn't want to oppress gays and women and trans people. And I mean, she does want all those things. But because things are so topsy-turvy insanity right now, she comes across as the the rational one. It is it is truly remarkable and uh, terrifying that these people are even on that stage, like that they have even made it right. to a such a prominent position as to be on the stage with her in the primary. I mean, that is alarming. And that isn't just happening in Wyoming. Like you said, there's that mashup from Arizona. This is happening all across the country where people that believe the election was stolen or maybe they don't believe it, they're just saying it, um, that can't even articulate whatever that, those ideas were see, that they were trying it. to articulate. That's it for me. It's not that they're just nutty as shit. It's that they're, they can't even, she's like, um, oh, uh. Like they can't even use the buzzwords that uh, they know yeah. well, gin up the base. Yeah, she I forgot mean, everything. She, we, we all know that Donald Trump is not an intellectual person, but he somehow is able to speak in such a way where he uses the buzzwords that people want to hear yeah. that gets people excited and they couldn't even do that. We would love to hear from you about this, 657-464-7609. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Yesli Vega. Yesli Vega. Yesli Vega is the Republican running against Abigail Spanberger in Virginia. And she floated something that we've certainly heard from men before. And I, I think we've talked about several male politicians on the show who have speculated in this way. But she's the first woman that I have heard try to entertain the idea that women somehow uh, don't get pregnant during rape. Now, the left will say, well, what about in cases of rape or incest? I'm a law enforcement officer. I became a police officer in 2011. I've worked one case where as a result of a rape, the young woman became pregnant. Really? And it's my job, number one, as a believer, right, to give you all of the resources available. Right. If you decide to deviate and do something else, we don't stop loving you. Right. That's when you need even more support, right? right? right. Because of the data that we have, it's been proven that women that do move forward with an abortion, you gotta thank Lisa they for suffer so much, right? It's my job, number one, as a believer, she says. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not the job you're, you're applying for, Yeshley Vega. Mm -hmm. The job you're applying for is Congress. So your, your believer status, your being a Christian, shouldn't have any come to play at all. Mm -hmm. Just based on the fact that we are a nation of laws not a nation of superstitions. Right. And there evidently is a second clip where the person that she's talking to says that it is harder for a woman to get pregnant if she's been raped, that she has heard that. 
And then uh, Yesli Vega responds, quote, well, maybe because there's so much going on in the body. I don't know. I haven't, you know, seen any studies, but I'm processing what you're saying. It wouldn't surprise me because it's not something that's happening organically. Right. It's forcing it. So this is why people who uh, don't have an education in a specific area, like shouldn't be talking about something like this. And she's not disputing the authenticity of these recordings. So at least we don't have that where she's trying to say that it's fake or she didn't actually say this. And who, who was it that said the the body just shuts that whole thing down? Was it like Todd Aiken? Is that his name? I think that is it. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, that's the name. No, I Todd Aiken is it Missouri. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have another, we, we have another one of these where people are trying to, I don't know. It's almost like in their minds, they're trying to rationalize the horror of someone actually becoming pregnant as, as a result of the rape and trying to reconcile how that is a terrible thing and yet they support forcing someone in that terrible situation to have that child to be re-traumatized yeah and so they're almost trying to find some sort of logic that would make it right and maybe that logic is that it doesn't happen right that like it's not possible and and so they try to fool themselves but this is also why we shouldn't have people in positions of power who say well, in my experience, right? Yeah, she I'm says, a law enforcement officer. Yeah, I've only heard of one case where this has happened. Oh, okay, I guess you're the authority. You've had all the personal life experience <laughs> and the education and the knowledge to be able to speak on this issue. No, you don't. Just stop electing stupid fucking people. I mean, I think that would, would cover a lot. A lot of ground would be covered if we just stopped voting for fucking morons. We'd love to know what you think about this fucking moron, this asshole of today. and or email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Angelie Gomez. Angelie Gomez. You may remember Angelie Gomez as the very brave mother who... Uh, ran into the school in Uvalde, Texas to save her kids after the cops tried to stop her repeatedly. Didn't they stop her and cuff her? And then as soon as they let her out of the cuffs, she just bolted and made it into the school. That is correct. Well, she is continuing to be vocal. You remember that she came out and she told the story of the cops trying to prevent her from entering the school to save her kids. And And then they threatened her. If you keep going to the media, we're going to, we're going to probation violate you. Exactly. Yeah. And so now what's happening is they are continuing their harassment campaign. And what she is doing is she's continuing to be vocal about the bad behavior from the police. It was right here on May 24th in front of Robb Elementary when Angelina Gomez was handcuffed and told she had to cooperate by authorities. It was moments earlier when she had rushed to the school, had her gunshots inside Robb Elementary, followed by children's screams. As soon as he, they take me off the cuff, I see his arm, like, just give me a little gateway, because I'm little, so a little gateway where I can just run. Without a doubt in her mind, Angelina Gomez knew she would have to save her children herself. She jumped a fence, began banging on a nearby door where her oldest son's teacher saw her. Like, you already have a gateway out, so just 
Might as well come out. Like, if I'm going to run out with him, y'all just come on, too. Gomez safely gets her oldest son and some of his classmates out, then goes back for her youngest son, running around the school, desperately searching for his classroom. At this moment, I'm jiggling the handle and I'm going pretty nuts, like, trying to get the door open and it's not going to open. So I stand back and the cops are already on me and they're like, ma'am, calm down. Like, she tells them to evacuate the school or she won't move. Immediately, they start evacuating that classroom and my son runs out to me. He's like, mom, mom, just remember when my son saw my other son, he hugged, one hugged the other one and said, I'm so glad you're okay. And the other one said, I was so worried that you weren't. So it was a big thing because in that moment, I was like, they're really happy to see each other. They got the three children that they're alive. Since May 24th, Gomez claims she's been faced with scrutiny from law enforcement at her own home. The other night, we were exercising and we had a cop parked at the corner flickering us with his headlights. Due to incidents like this, Gomez said she is separated from her boys. Just so my sons don't feel like they have to watch cops passing by, stopping, parking. She has been protesting along with other community members in Uvalde Town Square, asking for UCISD Police Chief Pete Arredondo to be fired. Her goal now is to file a lawsuit. The fact that he wasn't fired immediately based upon whatever it is, hours of video from testimony such as from Angeli, is an indication that there is some sort of a, what, corruption or wrongdoing. DiCarlo says that as of right now, he's representing about 15 other parents in the community of Uvalde. When asked when lawsuits will be filed, he says he first wants to take the time to gather as much evidence and as much information as possible before filing any future lawsuits. Chelsea Torres, News 4, San Antonio. So she's working on filing that lawsuit uh, against the police department, and she's also demanding the firing of the police chief, who's also on the city council. Yeah. And there's been a lot of controversy there because he hasn't been showing his face at the city council meetings. He actually resigned as of an hour ago. He has resigned oh, nice. from the city council. So... I mean, her strength in continuing to come forward and speak about this, knowing that there is a full-on harassment campaign against her right. from there the could police. could be repercussions. Yeah, but for her to continue to do this, it's it's important that people know that she's being targeted for telling the truth about what the police have done and continue to do. I mean, it's, it's gang violence against her. I, imagine cops are there to protect and serve. They, they swear an oath to the Constitution. And because they fucked up huge, they don't want anyone to talk about how they fucked up. So she is talking. So they're they're like stalking her, shining lights in her house. It is like a literally stalking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is criminal behavior that they're engaged in. They should, every one of these cops who's engaged should be fired immediately. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Yeah. So good for her. Absolutely good yeah. for her. That's why good she is uh, taking care of biz. And we are going to take care of biz by turning off the microphones momentarily, ending the show, the and mi- preparing for a massive Independence Day celebration. Celebration. In the Dollamore Page House. Here we go. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you very much. We would invite you to consider supporting us on Patreon. We didn't do a Patreon mid-roll. We didn't even drop the Dollamocracy thing. We're going to have to get our shit together and start doing the show like we do the show. What are we doing? But you can go to uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. Pick your tier, see what's involved, and help support and produce what we do right here. We would appreciate it very much. Anyway, we're going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We will see you next time on episode 810. 
Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt.